Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Kick off your future with the law firm of Condorian Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention us to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Danny's in D.C. I'm at Radio Row in Vegas, and the big game is coming quickly. Our coverage on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. want to welcome onto the show a former Super Bowl champion coach with the Baltimore Ravens, who's the winningest head coach ever in Falcons history, former NFL coach of the year, Mike Smith, who actually preceded Dan Quinn in Atlanta, who just got the job here in Washington, D.C. But I saw you walking around yesterday, said we got to talk to him. He knows all about you know, the, the Falcons and what was going on in that era. But appreciate you sitting down with us. Oh, glad to be here and glad to visit with you guys today. I guess let's just start with the end of your time in Atlanta and Quinn comes in right then. We're trying to get a feel for Dan Quinn as a head coach. I'm curious. You guys never coached together, but everyone knows each other pretty well in the fraternity. What do you make of Washington going? You were a defensive-minded guy, most recently a coordinator in Tampa in 16, with a veteran second-time-around defensive head coach. Yeah, Dan is Dan is a very very good football coach. Uh, the guys like to play for him. That he that he's going to have him playing hard. He's going to have him playing smart. And uh, I think when you when you got him playing hard and you got him playing smart, you got a chance. And he is a very very good defensive mind. And I know he's not going to be calling the calling the plays. I saw that in the in the media report. But I'm sure he's going to have his hands and footprint on on the on the defense. Did you call your own defensive plays? No, I did not. I I was What's more of a. What's your thought on him kind of passing that off to yeah. Joe Witt? Well, I know that uh, I I know that I wasn't smart enough to do it, <laughs> and I don't know how guys. You know, I think the in this league right now, well, in the Super Bowl, both head coaches will be calling plays, uh, but I, I had two you know two coordinators actually three coordinators with my special teams that they were the the play callers and i tried to be a sounding board in terms of of the game plan and putting you know and putting it in and it'll be a, it'll be a change for dan i'm sure uh but i think he's you know he's got his staff in place now and it'll be a it'll be good for the the redskins because he's a good football coach and I, I read he said and he felt like he's learned he learned a lot his first time around and he's getting a second bite at the apple so to speak, speak and I think he'll he'll do very well. What's the biggest challenge there to sort of get back into the I don't know how to say this the right way Mike but one, a lot of times when a guy's gone through it has been a head coach and the end isn't what he always wants and there very few get to write off into the sunset you know retiring after you win your last game you know with a finger in the air like an iconic painting. 
but everybody, you know, trying to claw their way back in. What's kind of the challenge to change your reputation and perception in some of those meetings, do you think? Well, I think the the first thing that everybody's going to look at is they're going to look at your pro, your product on the field. And Dan Quinn has definitely the, put his foot or his handprints all over the Dallas Cowboys uh, defense. And it's, and it's been a successful defense. Now, has it had success at the, at the highest level in the playoffs? Uh, not, you know, not up to the expectations. But what he, what he has done with that defense is, is pretty spectacular. It's been, fin- it's been fun to watch. And he'll have his, you know, he'll have his fingerprints all over that all over that defense he may not be calling the defenses but i'm sure that they, you know and dan's bringing in a guy that was with him in dallas yeah, so joe it'll, witt joe witt jr, jr. yep mm-hmm. and, and has been with i think he was with them in two different places atlanta and for the for final, final year, year yep and then uh dallas and now dc yep. yeah and it's great that joe's getting a you know, witt is getting an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator he's a very good football coach very very knowledgeable and I think it will be a good partnership uh, for Dan to pass that off to someone that he's very comfortable with running his defense because it will be his defense. Longtime NFL coach Mike Smith with us here on Grant and Danny. So, Mike, just from outside looking in now, what are the challenges maybe that, you, that may not have been the case a handful of years ago? Do defensive coaches specifically, head coaches now, do they face in kind of the climate of the NFL? Well, <clears throat> I think that, we have gone through seismic changes, not only in the way that the game is being played on the field, but we went through it, you know, and just think about it six years ago, five years ago, if you had a game, for, for example, in 2013, we were in the playoffs against the Green Bay Packers. We got an ice storm in uh, Atlanta, shut the city down. Our guys couldn't get to work. Our coaches couldn't get to work. We couldn't meet. We went three days without without seeing or, or or talking with our players. They didn't have any Zoom then. Think about the think about the technology during the now. Playoffs. Yeah, wow. during the during the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, and but now it, it has changed the way that you you know the way that you meet with your players. You know, if I was back in the back coaching, I would never have our players come back on Monday. We used to have victory Mondays, but I'd never have them come 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 into the building Monday unless they were injured. Use and and use the technology now to have a little short meeting, and then they get two days. Then they'll get two days off, two days rest. Uh, you know, the way that the guys take in information is completely different now. You know, you don't stand up on a chalkboard and put the game plan in anymore you don't stand up on a grease board and put the game plan anymore it's on your lap you know it's on your laptop it's on your uh whatever device that you got the tablet yeah yeah, the tablet everybody's got the tablet and so players players are different and you and coaches have to adjust to the players the way that you communicate with them uh and i think dan's probably learned learned a lot and uh, you know dan's a player's coach he always has been players love to play for him 2008 AP NFL Coach of the Year, Mike Smith here on Grant and Danny uh, on the fan. I have the opinion, and and I'm saying this now to you as someone who was a great coach as a defensive mind, but I want you to push back and tell me where I'm wrong. 
my take in this era is that the quarterback coach relationship is so important that if I was hiring a head coach, I would only ever hire offensive coordinators. <laughs> I wish yep. people could see no. your smirk. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, no, yeah, it. yeah, no. But, I, I... but so the Dan Quinn hire, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm, I'm, he's, he is a leader of men. I, my point has just kind of been the leader of men thing to me is less important than having someone who designs a great offense and scores a lot of points. And I just want to get your thoughts on that as someone whose entire life you're in, you're in the linebacker room with the Ravens when they win a Super Bowl. I mean, you were the, the most successful coach in Falcons history. What's your thought on that? Because it seems like the relationship between quarterback and defensive coaches over the years, it just hasn't quite worked to the same extent. You have a valid point there, and I think a lot of the owners and the decision makers are in agreement with you. If you look at the if you look at the hires, the majority of the hires, it is on the offensive side of the football. And the game is driven by the quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind to be successful in the National Football League, you've got to have a quarterback that can operate the offense that you've that that you've installed. Uh, I think this uh, you know, I didn't call a play in Atlanta, and I'm, I'm a defense. I'm a defensive guy, but I hired guys that I knew were going to be able to put together an offensive game plan. Who make were your one. OCs? I'm my, trying to Mike Malarkey was my first. Yeah, okay. my, my first OC, uh, offensive coordinator, and you know, we went in. We drafted. I'll give you a little background. So we draft Matt Ryan. We. Signed Michael Turner because as a rookie we wanted to have a running game. We didn't want to have to throw the ball around. And then we knew with Matt we had a guy that could throw it. And in years two, three, and four, we had Tony Gonzalez. We had Julio Jones. And, you know, we just morphed into a more balanced offense. But the reason what driven what drove me to Mike is I wanted us to be at the beginning run the football that first year, and then transition into a, a less uh, run game-oriented and be more quarterback-centric. Because, put more on his plate. Yeah, put mm-hmm. more. And, and Mike was, you know, Mike was very, very good at both the run and the, and the pass game. And uh, I think you can hire a guy that's a defensive-minded guy, but he's got to hire the right offensive coordinator you guys took ryan in like the top five well it was five at number five 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 so tell me this then i mean because this is kind of like what we're about to see here with quinn defensive coordinating type head coach and then they have the number two overall pick so how do you without being with him constantly you're not quizzing him and going over the film how do you build that relationship with that quarterback as a as a head coach oh you spend a lot you spend a lot of time when when you're not running the offense and you're not running the defense, you've got to spend as the head coach. You've got to spend a whole lot of time with Matt, and and I was wanted to be a sounding board for Matt, and to make sure that Matt's had input, even though he was a rookie. That was I spent a lot of time with Matt, you know, talking about well, Matt, what do you think? You know, he may not ask. Mike Malarkey, the offensive coordinator, in year one. Well, I don't know. I'm not comfortable, but. I can get him to tell me that. Sure. You know, and you think maybe you're, you're getting me to think about something. Is that part of why maybe Quinn wouldn't have wanted to call plays, like more of that overseer? Yeah. I would say most definitely. Uh, and, and it gives you an opportunity to oversee 
and talk and spend time. I spent just as much time in the quarterback room as I did the defensive defensive line room when meetings were going on. I just wanted to be seen, wanted to, to see and hear the the game plans as as the head football coach. And there's different type of head coaches. You know, right now the trend in the National Football League is hire an offensive guy and he calls his own place. I mean, over half the league now, that is the model that people are going with. You have a head coach that calls offensive plays. In the Super Bowl on Sunday, both head coaches call the plays. And if you just run, you can just run down, and there's probably 16, 17, 18 that are head coach play caller. And that's the trend right now. It's not an over, you know, it's not a general over, overview head coach. They're more fo- focused on, Calling the plays, offense, yeah. yeah, and offense. Now get now, don't get me wrong, it's been very successful, but it's a quarterback-driven league. You you know you're going to win and die and lose by the way your quarterback plays, and that's why it's so important to get it right when you're picking in the top five. And I'm, I haven't studied the draft at all, but I'm sure there's going to be guys worthy of a quarterback that's worthy of the third pick in the draft this year, and. In, and if the organization thinks that he's the guy that we're going to be able to give in, get a second contract and he's going to help us he's going to help us win we'll be able to have a second contract then they're going to take a quarterback at that pick if they think he's worthy enough so mike you were you were there for hard knocks right was that 2014 uh i <laughs> i am a i did hard knocks the very first one in atlanta or excuse me, in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Excuse me, I was I was on that. That I was, was the a, best hard knocks ever, 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 ever. It was so cool, and 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 uh, you know, Brian. We said we won the We won the Super Bowl. Why are we doing hard knocks? He says, and it was brilliant. He said, I want us to have to be more focused. This will make us focus more as coaches and players, and, and it really did. Even though we you know, we had some injuries and we didn't get back, but so I did the hard knocks and. In, in Baltimore, I did hard knocks in Jacksonville. <laughs> they had oh, it right? was really? yes, it was the pseudo hard knocks. There was a year they didn't do it. And oh, they I tried remember to, that. They tried yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it. So then I did it in Atlanta. Yeah. Then I did it in Tampa. I'm a four timer. You're a four timer. Yeah. You, you I'm a four timer. I made hey I hey I may not have the most appearances on <laughs> in the Super Bowl, but I think I might have the most appearances on Hard Knocks. I, I didn't. Even realize I tried that. to stay out of the way on on most of them. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. I didn't even realize that. Well, the reason I brought it up is you, you, you touched on something that made me think about this. There's a moment that I've been referencing for ten years now, which by the way I can't believe it's been ten years. When on on the show where Matt Ryan walks into the receivers meeting. Has the receivers coach run some film from practice because he was talking with a couple of the receivers? I think you know I can't remember exactly who it was oh, about I know the, who it was. De- the depth yeah. he wanted a certain was it route. Yeah, yep. it was yeah. Sanu. Yep, yep. The the yep. depth and, and the timing of a certain route, and said, you know what, you're right about that, and, and walked out of the room. And I swooned. I've I rewound yep. it and watched it a thousand times because yep. like we haven't had anything like that here. We've had, we've had guys that, that rented houses and were, were out of here before uh, you know the season ended, basically. How long, under your watch, did it take for Matt Ryan to grow into that? Well, I encouraged Matt to do it from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was in, within, in his rookie year when you had the success that we had. I think we, won t- we were 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five yep. in year one. We had a setback in year two and went to 9-7 and seven when Matt uh, – 
was injured and missed four games, I think three games, excuse me. Uh, but I encouraged, you know, I wanted Matt. I told Matt first time I sat down with him in Indianapolis, I said, if we draft you, you're going to be the face of the, con- of the, of the team. Everybody's going to be looking at you. And after, after they're looking at you, they're going to be looking at me for, for leadings and guidership. And he said, and, and I said, I know you, you're, you're a rookie, but you're a starting quarterback in the national football league. And Matt, Matt, that took, Matt took the, well, certain people, like I think, if yes. If Washington drafts Drake May, I mean. Should, I don't know his background. Well, right, but, but what, I, what I'm asking is, like, because they drafted him, does he just get to go in the room and do that, or is there you, you a earn, personality no, element? Yes, you earn, you earn that. Yeah, you earn that right. And Matt, you know, Matt, right off the bat, everybody knew how he was. He was a, he was a great teammate, and. He wasn't the first-round draft pick. He was a great teammate. And when you have players that are great teammates, you have guys that are going to be able to collaborate with one another and come together and have a common goal. Winning his coach in Falcons history, Mike Smith here on Grant and Danny. Hey, before we let you go really quickly, a conversation made possible by what you're doing with X-Tech. Tell us about it. Yeah, I've been involved with X-Tech shoulder pads now for 12 years. Uh, you know, Going into this, when I was first introduced to it, pads hadn't changed. And it is now, over the last five years, it's the number one pad in the pros in all of professional football. Over 80% of the players wear X-Tech pads. Guys like Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, Micah Parsons. And there's, I think, eight guys in this game that are that will be wearing X-Tech shoulder pads. And player safety is in the national football we got to drop that unfortunate bit of a technical issue there at the end from uh from from mike smith but that was an outstanding interview some great insight there uh from him a lot of fun to catch up with him out there at radio row we mentioned this a couple times throughout these uh, interviews here today on grant and danny and kind of want to take your temperature on this so if we want to line up a couple calls right now i think we might have some time to do that 800-636-1067 is the number there's been some of that buttle scut, as some of my uh, older neighbors like to say, instead of the word scuttlebutt, uh, about because Cliff Kingsbury, hope Grant's happy, is here now as the OC in Washington, D.C., he's got a connection with Caleb Williams. Are you entertaining trading up? Is that something you would want to do? 800-636-1067. Grant will give you his answer. I'll give you mine. We return next on The Fan. At 6 o'clock Eastern time, your pals will sit down with Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. Really sharp guy, formerly of PFF, or Pro Football Focus, if you will. The acronym is PFF, or PFF, and I will. Uh, it's Gene here on The Fan. We got a, a couple tech issues we're working out. We'll get Grant Paulson back on here any moment. He is live Radio Row in Las Vegas. That's what happens sometimes with remotes. The question of the moment for you guys at 800-636-1067. This is the first time to tackle it. It's not going anywhere. I'll tell you that right now. This, I don't know what you call it, uh, uh, speculation, this scuttlebutt, this idea, this concept is something that's on people's minds. I'm not kidding you when I say, like, my buddies' uh, email chat, you know, like guys that I, I grew up with, went to kindergarten, through college with a lot of them, 
you uh, started emailing about this, about the Dan Quinn hire, then about Cliff Kingsbury, et cetera. He gets hired. The immediate speculation. Three different guys asked me, are they going to trade at the number one to get Caleb Williams? I've seen that tweet. I have seen that, uh, you know, around the the dads at the soccer game. That's already something. Or the uh, the practices at basketball. This is what everybody is talking about. It's not going anywhere. So I want to know from you guys at 800-636-1067, is that something to be interested in? Would you be in to doing that, to pulling the trigger and moving up a slot? Now, I don't know what the value would be. I don't know how much it would cost. So if you tell me it doesn't cost very much at all, for the sake of argument, let's say you you swap second rounders, you swap third rounders, and it, it doesn't you know, really change anything for your long-term future, okay, it's something I can, I can consider. But considering... What is likely to be the market value of it, where you're going to spend next year's first-round pick, probably give up the the advantage that you've gotten here with these multiple twos, I don't think I'm that excited about it. And again, it all kind of depends on what the value is. And I wonder where my line would actually go. We welcome back Grant Paulson to his own radio program. GP, you are back, sir? I am back, my friend. I am adamantly against trading up to one. In any capacity, even if it's just a nominal... I don't want to say it because you know it's going to cost something. But it, what if it costs less than you think? Like, what's where's the line of demarcation for you? Well, yeah, if, if they get some kind of bargain perceived to be, uh, let's just call it, give me a, a deal that you think would be good. Because the going rate, it seems like, is that they would trade 236 and 40 for one. Meaning you're flipping mm-hmm. from one and two, and then you're giving up 36 and 40 this year and a first rounder next year. Well, I think you have to include a first rounder next year, don't you? Like you're not giving I, I up the think. number one overall pick if you're not getting a future one. So now the question is, well, what are you giving up this year? They pick at two thirty six and forty in the top forty. Then they've got three more picks in the top one hundred two, sixty seven, one hundred, and one hundred two. I just they need so much, man, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take a quarterback or you got to trade back and add more picks, which is one theory. But you're picking second, you take a quarterback. It's not like there's one guy, by the way. If the, if the draft this year was Caleb Williams and then the next QB was Kenny Pickett, who might go mid to late first round, mm-hmm. different conversation. Drake May is a prototype elite-level prospect. Jaden Daniels is an electric elite-level scintillating talent who just won the Heisman Trophy. You know, it's, it's not like you either eat the, the meal at number one or you don't eat again. It's just different types of meals that might not be as high ceiling. But I got my own questions about Caleb Williams anyway. So I am not a fan of trading up generally. You tell me, how often does it work for a team like Washington? The Bills might be able to pull it off when they've got Tyrod and their fringe playoff team. We've seen teams like the Chiefs trade up to get Mahomes. It works when they've got Alex Smith and they're already a playoff team. But bad teams that are picking in the top three or four for a reason, moving up, giving up assets, receivers, tackles, uh, defensive pieces, contributors around that quarterback to help. I think it's just really, really hard, man. It's a bad track record. I I tend to agree. And we're we're talking about playing the percentages here. Now, there are – you've got Adam Peters in in seat, right? And he's already broken the quote-unquote conventional mold once with this hiring process. Whatever you think of it, he has, right? The trend line is, are you a, a, a handsome offensive coordinator with a flat top? You know, come on in for an interview. They talked to two external offensive minds in this process, a bunch of defensive guys. They are bucking the trend going with Dan Quinn and company. 
he might he he knows those percentages. He's aware of how often trade up works. He tried to trade up and it failed miserably uh, in in San Francisco. He was part of that group that did that. So I'm sure he's aware of those numbers. He's empowered though. If he falls in love and says this is the right fit for us because of X Y Z, and he knows, I'm certainly willing to take a shot. But it wouldn't be the move that I would prescribe. But that's not that's not to say that I I know more than him. I don't, and, and I know that we're now reverting into in Peters we trust or in you know it, it just blindly using arguments to authority, but it's not something that I would consider uh, unless it was just too good of a bargain to pass up and the fit was too good and, and and there really was that gap in perception among Caleb Williams versus the guys that are second and third. It depends on the eye of the beholder uh, in Daniels and May. If they love Caleb Williams, at the end of the day, no one's going to remember if it worked out what they actually gave up to go get him. If it doesn't, it gets brought up all the time, and you get Jeff Fisher trolling Mike Shanahan uh, before the game with, like, all the captains <laughs> from a four-win team that, uh, you know, that he got in trade. Yeah, I guess here's, here's the question. Do you like Caleb Williams more than Drake May and a starting defensive end and a starting tight end and a starting middle linebacker? Because that's really what we're talking about. and I, I, yes. It doesn't mean all those picks hit and all those guys become starters. But you're talking about two in the top 40. Mm-hmm. This year, the way it trends, I think it could be a wide receiver and an edge. could be a tight end and an edge. But that's a weapon in the passing game or an offensive lineman, starter, a tackle, and an edge rusher. Two of your most critical positions of need. Next year, I don't know where you think they'll pick. What do you say? Do you think they're hopefully not in the top five, but maybe in the, the 11 7 12 to 12 range? range? Yeah. yeah. So that should be – that's a lottery pick, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Adam Peters is who we think it is, if that's another edge, that's a double-digit sack-a-year guy. If that's a linebacker, that's a potential impact Pro Bowl Mike linebacker on ball. If that's a DB, that should be someone who ends up under Joe Witt's charge, you know, being a real stud. Are you willing to give all of that plus Jaden Daniels up for Caleb Williams? You know all me. All of that – Yeah. You know, like I, I do. We, we had this discussion with, with Chase Young years ago where I said the the greatness that he would have to attain to be better and more valuable than two starters, the, the names that I picked at the time were Tristan Wirf and Justin Jefferson. Probably like to end up with those two guys over uh, Chase Young. And who knows what deals were available and weren't. I know that that's all, you know, fun boardroom in the moment after the fact stuff. We have no idea what was offered or what wasn't. But my point was everyone dismissed the idea of, of trading back. I don't want to trade back here. I want the picks that they've worked hard to accumulate. Right? They made shrewd, smart, positive moves to go acquire extra picks in the top 50, the top 100. They've got that number two overall pick, which is such a tremendous asset. Take advantage of that in that unique spot to grab all those different things you're saying. And even if not all of them work out, if some do, you're better off there than the alternative. Now, with all of this said, because the, the reality is that it's, it, it doesn't end up being that your three picks you're packaging in this deal outside of the top two. Now, so you're flip-flopping one and two, but the other three picks, they're not all going to be pro bowlers probably, right. even if Adam Peters is as awesome as we think. So the reality is probably you know, that you have one guy that ends up just being okay, you know, one guy who ends up being good, and one guy who ends up being great. But I guess my point is if Caleb Williams is the next great quarterback, then obviously you would do that deal. If I was to tell you, that he is in the Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, whoever else gets to be in that tier, that bucket moving forward, Herbert, whoever else. Like if five years from now when you're ranking QBs, Caleb Williams is in that conversation in the top five to seven, 
then yeah, Danny, I think trading up for him is probably not a no-brainer, but defensible regardless of what you give up. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the compensation is. But he has to be number one, head and shoulders better than the other two guys that you're considering at number two. So the first question is, does Peters and company think that he is? Secondly, you've got to be completely convinced about the individual. I don't know how you could be. And I say that as someone who knows Caleb Williams not at all. He might be the best dude in the world. I have no idea. I just know that there has been more noise and rumblings about Caleb Williams and wanting ownership stake and doesn't want to play in Chicago and these weird instructions that are going to come with him. We haven't had anything like this since Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's been a gigantic pain in the ass since he got in the NFL. Am I wrong? I'm not saying he's not a good player, but how many reports have we seen? Yeah. Yeah. How many reports about teammates and video yeah. game, whatever? Best I, and I'm case, not trying like to, some explaining has been needed for Kyler Murray, right? That's the correct. best case. I'm not trying to dog Caleb Williams at all. My point is, the last time we had weird stuff like this was Kyler Murray, and it has become pretty clear that Kyler Murray is not the CEO of the Fortune 500 company that necessarily you would design in a video game. So. Yeah, I think if you're trading up, it just so happened the Cardinals had the number one pick that year, and, and Kingsbury obviously was there for that experience. Maybe that'll be a factor in how he feels. But if you're trading up, you really got to know, man. You really got to know that he's the right guy and that he is better than those other two, decidedly. I'm out. It's just it doesn't work at a high enough clip. It yeah, does a, not work at a high enough rate. A realistic trade wouldn't inv- wouldn't it, it wouldn't make as much sense to me like if there was something where they I, again I'm, this is would never happen so I don't even know why I'm flapping my gums saying about it but if they had they f- they flop what they flip ones this year it's next year's number two they have to give up a two this year and maybe flip a couple spots in, in different rounds and you know who knows if it's not that outrageous you go okay but other than that and I just can't see Chicago doing that right there's there's no reason for them to there's no incentive there because they could get more in all likelihood from somebody else trading up higher to get to the number one spot, right? If they and were the to trade. Yeah, that's an important point is I think people say, well, you only have to trade up one pick. So you're not going to have to give up that much. Like this idea that I'm pitching, which I'm not coming up with. This is what's been speculated by people mm-hmm. who you know evaluate draft picks and their values at, at, analytically for a living. You know, the, the conversation, I think, has to be not you're only trading up one pick. You've got to outdo the team that's trying to come up from six to one. There's someone that might be trading up from eight to one right. who's willing to give up three ones. So if you're going to do that, even if it's only a pick, you've got to get in the ballpark. You don't have to give up the same amount because they might rather trade back one slot and still pick second than move all the way back to eight because they could still get Daniels if they love him or Drake May or whatever it is that the Bears want to do. A question for you guys, though. If you want to answer the question more broadly like we just did, are you interested in trading up to 1-1? You could do that at 800-636-1067. I want to get into the Kingsbury element of this with you next, Danny, and how much his presence could factor into and affect not only the dialogue and the discourse about this the rest of the pre-draft process, but the actual possibility of a trade-up. Like, does this make it more likely, or is that just what everybody's saying in the conclusion that they're jumping to? Grant and Danny on the fan. He's in D.C. I'm in Vegas at Radio Row. It's Super Bowl week on G&D.
from Mandalay Bay in Vegas at Radio Row. Grant Paulson with you. Danny Ruye is in our D.C. studios alongside. This is Grant and Danny. He is the better-looking, handsome half of this program. And uh, maybe, just maybe, if you were one of the 500 listeners who was at the big event that we did at Bethesda Theater on Friday night, mm-hmm. you saw Danny stand up for the first time. A couple people came up to me. They're like, Danny crushed it. He wasn't uh, nervous. Like, he did so good. I'm like, with all due respect. <laughs> yes, he did, first of all. He well, was very thank funny. Thank you. And he was wonderful, and it was great. This is literally his wheelhouse, man. Like, go see him. He does this for that 10 minutes. He does that for 50 in an hour sometimes. Like, go enjoy the space. But uh, it's always – I always like I seeing people who are seeing you for the first time because it's like, Danny was like an actual comedian up there. Like, he, he kind of knew what he was doing. It's like – I think twenty-two years. Or, well, how long have you been doing it? This is so. What you're? This is my twentieth year. Yeah, this is your twenty. So it, it is kind of funny. And it, it, listen, I, I don't begrudge it because you know how could you know unless you've unless you've seen it in person? But they they sort of. I think people don't know what to expect. And by the way, it's not like your normal stand-up set. These are. Is index- there something to this? I've thought about this. Yeah. I don't know if this is true. There is such a thing. This is going to sound really mean. Like there are really bad comedians. Like people who say, "Oh yeah, I'm a comedian," and they are, yeah. they do act. You know they. They do. They are. They they mm-hmm. do shows and they like a handful of people come and but they just say they're a comedian and maybe that's the thought. Like they don't know that you're actually a real comedian. No, you're just yeah, a guy Which, saying you're a comedian. No, I know. I know what you mean. But I mean, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where you don't really know unless you know. Like I, we have some really good friends uh, that just reminded me while you, while you were talking. I did this charity show for this uh, for this nonprofit, right? And she was one of the people that you know helps run this nonprofit, and she came to the show. And she was sitting up front, and she was terrified, terrified. And I finally was like, "You understand? I, I, like it's going to be okay. Like I do this professionally. Like I, yeah. I am, I'm very good. You'll, you'll be fine." Because she was like so nervous that I wasn't going to do well, and like, oh, like how, what's going to happen? Like when jokes happen, like what does it mean? Like it, it, I promise you, it'll be okay. So yeah, but it's, it's always a little. I don't take it personally when people are like completely surprised that there are actual chuckles, <laughs> even, even laughter. Well, we haven't talked about it much, but I I did just want to bring up. No, it's kind. Thank you. Kind of slipped through the uh, cracks with me getting out here yesterday in the press conference. Yeah, pressers and stuff. Yeah, I thought that your roast slash set was wonderful. Thank you, thank you. I don't know that everybody did. Uh, There's there's some folks that had had some feelings and had had to say nice job, even if they didn't feel that way. I don't think everybody liked it, but that wasn't the goal. Now was it? The goal was to make some people laugh. Yep. And to get a couple high fives after. And a couple of those, oh, that's when you know it's a good roast. Yeah. A couple of things where people were, like, uncomfortable or booing that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. really? That's the one? He said a lot of things in the last 10 minutes. That's the time that you're going to react as if he went too far? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. We if got, you say so. We got 14 more next cards to go. You guys better buckle up. Uh, the question for you guys right now on Grant and Danny Taking your temperature, Cliff Kingsbury became the offensive coordinator going into the week. Uh, found that out on Sunday. It was official yesterday. They announced it at the press conference as well. Kingsbury worked at USC with Caleb Williams. It has begun what is now rampant speculation that Washington may trade up to number one to take Caleb Williams. I think a lot of times the dots that get connected immediately aren't correct. Everyone just assumes that the thing that seems to make a lot of sense, Dan Quinn to Seattle, it, it, is going to happen and it doesn't normally 
But I am out on trading up. I just think it doesn't work that often, especially when you're bad enough to pick second. You need so much. I'm not giving up two, maybe three really good starters to have Williams instead of just May or Daniels and those three starters. But see what the people think. Chris is in Hyattsville on Grant and Danny. What's up, buddy? I just want to know that uh, I'm sorry I missed the show, guys, did, uh, Friday night, but I, I hope the rooster got roasted. No pun intended. Yeah, he, he, he caught some shrapnel. Yeah, he did. Nice. <laughs> no, no one, no one deserves it more than the rooster. Um, it was probably walking high because of his Dan Quinn projection. Oh, he was feeling but, himself. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he was walking out like that. Uh, so you, I don't want to repeat all the reasons why you guys say this is just a terrible idea. Uh, the only time you could really only argue that trading up multiple first-round picks, and I don't include Patrick Mahomes because he was drafted 10th overall, but I'm saying big-time deals. The only two times that theoretically you could say it worked was once for Michael Vick, which, by the way, those two picks ended up being LaDainian Tomlinson and Drew Brees, if I'm correct. Uh, and number two was Eli Manning, which, oh, by the way, they could have just stuck and had Phil Rivers and probably had the same results. Um, so this is only two times where those have been resulted in successful starting quarterbacks who were considered like legitimate franchise guys. Chris, Otherwise, I got to cut you real adjunct- quick because we're up against our hard out for Richmond, Chris. regrettably. But it's a great point, and I actually want to get back into what he just suggested, which is the batting average on it actually working, which is so rare. We'll do that next. We've got Eric Eager from Sumer Sports as well on G and D. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 